welcome to the Turn Up the Volume on Your Voice podcast with Charlotte Foster. Turn Up the Volume on Your Voice is a podcast all about podcasting. My name is Charlotte and I've been podcasting since 2017. Before that, I was in radio. In fact, first time I went live behind a microphone was in 1998. Yes, that was last century. I love listening to podcasts, making podcasts and helping others make podcasts too all through my business, Charlotte Foster Podcasts. I promise you I am far more creative when it comes to podcasting than I am when it comes to making up names for businesses. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Turn Up the Volume on Your Voice. I hope you are feeling well. This week, it's an interview week, so you are not going to hear too much from me, but you are going to hear a fair bit from uh, Rob and Kennedy. Now, Rob and Kennedy do the email marketing show. It is their podcast, and it is all about, funnily enough, email marketing. If you are on my email list or on social media, you will know that I've been trying to get you all to join my email list because I've started doing daily-ish emails. And that's all because of listening to Robin Kennedy for a while now. So I'm really pleased they came on my podcast and I enjoyed the conversation and I hope you enjoy it too. We basically pivoted from a very broad podcast that we had, which was about all things marketing into a much narrower niche thing about email marketing um, for a number of reasons. One, that serves our business better. That's what we help people with. Um, But also because there's nobody really strongly occupying that space. And actually the bigger reason is it's the thing that Rob and I do better than anything else we do is email marketing. Um, So we knew, we we did play around with a load of different names. We've had like inbox and all these clever things, which sort of let people go, oh, that's that's a good name. I understand why it's to do with email marketing. But actually, if you have the something, the email marketing show, then it tells people this is the one and you're claiming a bit of space. But also the, the reason we didn't call it the email marketing podcast or the email marketing chat or anything like that is because Rob and I being from a showbiz background of entertainment, we wanted to put the show bit into it. And that's how all the branding is a little bit sort of, it's got like lights and stuff in it. So we want to make sure that there's a crossover between the market and also our style. And that's what brand should do anyway. So that's, that's where that comes from. So tell me a little bit about your backgrounds then, your showbiz backgrounds. Yeah. So I, Rob, I'm actually a hypnotist, a comedy stage hypnotist, done that for the past nearly 18 years now, traveled all over the world, uh, performing a comedy hypnosis show, hypnotizing people, making them do crazy things. So now for basically about three months of the year, I'm on the road touring that show and performing pretty much nonstop. Uh, and then that's, that's how I live my life doing that stuff. Kennedy is a mind reader and that's how we became friends. Uh, do you want to talk a bit, a bit about that? Yeah. So um, basically we fly around the country doing these amazing things. But what that means is we might be on stage doing our superhuman things, hypnotizing people, making them do funny things, or um, make, figuring out what they're thinking and influencing them. But that means we're only on stage for, well, for me, 35 to 45 minutes. For Rob, an hour, but mostly two hours. But the rest of the time, you are traveling to that thing, or you're waiting in the departure lounge, or you're sitting at 30,000 feet whatever, waste, what you could be seeing as wasting lots of time. And to do, the, to do all of those things, you actually have to get good at marketing. You have to get, people think, oh, well, you just sit around, the phone rings, your manager calls, and 
Off you go on the road and, oh, you're a good lad. You're off to, you know, Marbella or the Seychelles or something. And it doesn't work like that. No. Even a little bit. No, you have to sell yourself constantly. It's an actual business. And it's something that we talk about a lot is when people come up to you and say, do you do okay with this, this thing? You go, well, I'm all right. You know, I'm fine. Thank you. But it's actually a business. And so we, had, we learned, and I think both of us learned email marketing as a major part of how do you communicate with people at scale? How do you nurture relationships? How do you do that? even as entertainers, because you can use your personality in your emails. You don't have to suddenly turn into the bank writing an email going, to whom it may concern, would you like a jolly good hypnotist? He's quite nice. You don't have to do that. You can, you can have your personality in that email. So that's how it all began. And then from there, we both ended up helping other people with their marketing. So Rob created a second brand, well, sub-brand, a parallel brand, which was teaching other people hypnosis. I created another brand, which was teaching other entertainers how to get more gigs because we'd both basically mastered this or were certainly interested in this marketing thing. And so from that, it just seemed like a, a natural sort of growth, really. Uh, and that's how we ended up doing it. And the podcast started from there. Is that right? I suppose, I mean, you had a, you had a, Kennedy had a podcast that was aimed at entertainers uh, in a particular branch of entertainment. Um, and I think partly wanted a, wanted a podcast that could have a bigger reach than that ever could. You know, there's not that many entertainers in the world in the grand scheme of things. Um, and we were both just really interested in marketing. So that led to our first podcast, which was imaginatively titled Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. Uh, so we created and did that and, and really enjoyed it for ages. We got to 100 episodes and then we said, actually, let's, let's go really niche on the thing we really enjoy, uh, which is email marketing. But yeah, it just seemed like a really good opportunity to, uh, to do what we love, actually. I mean, it is at the end of the day, it, it is a performance. It is the ability to get up and perform. So in climes where we are, you know, maybe not working or we're not performing or we're not traveling, this is a really great way to spend that time. I think the other big thing as well is that we started off when we started our business response suite, we started off doing a blog and we take it in turns each week to write a blog. And I loved it. The weeks when Rob was writing, <laughs> he loved it. The weeks when I was writing the book and we both hated blogging. But I was listening to all these blogging podcasts and all learning all these blogging. We realized, actually, what we're good at is we're entertainers. We like speaking and having a bit of crack. And we don't like sitting and writing, although we do a lot of that as well. But we certainly find it easier to do the talking thing. So we said, why are we doing this blogging thing? Why don't we just do a podcast where we get to sit and discuss the stuff we care about? We can do it in our style so we can have stupid jingles because they make us laugh and they make the guests laugh and they do have more purpose than just making us laugh but the whole point is like we do have a sung jingle like a, a, a track we had made in uh, in nashville as the as the opening um, jingle for the for the show and we have that because one it's very sort of irreverent and ridiculous which is how we want people to feel about the show as well as giving really good content because we know people consume podcasts not just to learn but actually the biggest podcasts in the world are entertainment podcasts, not educational ones. So can you do this edutainment? Vomit, hate that word. But can you educate and entertain people at the same time? And then also we wanted something that's going to stick into people's heads. And we know we get a lot of people messaging us, tweeting us, going, ah, Robin Kennedy, I can't get your bloody jingle out of my head. And we're like, excellent. 
because it's terrifying put, to put that kind of jingle in a show. Like, that was a massive risk. We have a 20-minute podcast and 47 seconds at the beginning of it, we take up with a ridiculous jingle. Why would you ever do that? To be to be totally honest, we actually had a second one made that was Still going got it, to man. be the jingle. Still here. We have a second, more rock and roll version than that one. And uh, for a long time, it was actually going to be the other one that we went with, not that one. Well, I love it. Um, and I've worked at a radio station in Scarborough called Yorkshire Coast Radio for a long time. Well, after a long time, a year. And people would come up to me and sing the jingle to me. And it's that, I think it's that relationship people, if you, when you get people singing jingles at you and I can sing one of the adverts from Yorkshire Coast Radio. Now bear in mind that was in 2004 to 2005 that I worked there. I can sing you the, uh, the whole song advert for First Choice Drains in Bridlington. <laughs> so if you, ever, if you are in Bridlington and you need your, your drains cleaned fast, I can give you the phone number in a heartbeat. But if that number, was, <laughs> if that number wasn't sung, I probably would never able to be able to do it. So I'm really, I, just, I think it's just fascinating that you've got that song jingle. I think it's a really clever trick to get it in people's minds as well and to stay there. So we're talking about how it's a performance. I'm really interested in that why in that side of things and how, because I listen to, I listen to a lot of podcasts, funnily enough. And you can tell the ones that just sort of go, right. Who've probably got the attitude of, I've been told to do a podcast in the same way you guys told to do a blog, should do a blog. And they, they're just turning up and reading what they've written or just speaking the words and there's no energy in there. How important is, I know your, sh- your, your showbiz, but how important is that performance for you? And I mean, showbiz in a good way. I mean, it's interesting. I remember ages ago, we talked about, how did this come up? Somebody asked us, you know, what would you do if, you know, let's imagine that one day, you know, uh, Google or somebody come along and they say, here's a trillion pounds. Uh, can we buy response rate off you? And we might go, oh, that's a trillion pounds. That is half a trillion each. That's good. We'll go and buy an island somewhere. What would you do then? Would you start, surely you'd stop performing and all the rest of it. But like, no, no, like we've got, we do okay now. Like, it's fine. We just like performing. And we, we came up, Kennedy said the words, he said, but, Performing isn't something we do, it's who we are, right? It's, it's fundamentally who we are as people. And if somebody took that away, I think we'd both have a breakdown. Like if somebody said, that's illegal to perform now, you can't do it, we'd both have a breakdown. So I think the podcast, even if it didn't serve a business purpose, we would, we talked about this, even if it didn't serve a business purpose, we would now keep doing it. It would be very hard to stop. And so I think because it's, it's, it is a, it is a therapy outlet for us, for sure. And hopefully, therefore, provides value for other people as well. That's, that is why we do it. So I think it's as much for us as it is for the listener. And you can, t- like, a bit like you said, you can tell the podcasts where it's 100% a marketing tool for the listener and therefore probably isn't very effective because the host probably isn't emotionally bought into why it's happening in the first place. And so you don't, I think you automatically don't put your best foot forward. You don't put your everything into it if you don't really passionately care about it, if it is just something you're doing. And that's how our blogs were back in the day. Like I'm sure they were fine. I'm sure there was enough stuff in them to make them worth reading sometimes. But you could tell they didn't have the same effort and passion that went into them that goes into the podcast now. Every tiny little detail has had some thought gone into it because we want to make sure that people leave feeling like it, like it was worth listening to. So I think f- from our perspective, like you said, the big, like Kennedy said, the business, b- the biggest podcasts in the world are the entertainment ones. 
over the entertain over the educational ones. And so it's important for us. We want to make sure people learn stuff, but at the same time, they, they need to have a good time doing it. So that even yeah. if a, a topic of an upcoming episode, for whatever reason, didn't really appeal or wasn't particularly relevant to them, we'd like to think they'd listen to it anyway because they want to hear what we've got to say on that thing. There should be an essence that they are hanging out with friends. So Rob and I have been friends for a very long time. And so we want them to feel like we are an extension of their friendship group because being an entrepreneur, so our podcast is really for people who have courses and online courses and deliver courses and who are coaches and have membership sites. The thing for those people is it can be damn lonely. And so they often work alone. They might have, if they have a team, they have a virtual team. So if we can be a little bit of company, I was going to say a little bit of sanity, but we're certainly not a bit of sanity. But uh, if we can be a little bit of company for those people and be an extension of their world, because as people say all the time, being in a podcast is a very intimate relationship because it's right in your lugs. It's right in your ears. The same as radio, your history, Charlotte, is in that. We know there's an intimate relationship being, being found and you've got to find devices to do that. And that is one of our devices is the friendship banter between Rob and I, the fact that we know so much about each other and we know the things that oh, Rob knows I'm about to make a joke about this thing now. I'm about to talk about, oh, it's, you know, how is all of his girlfriends have got poor eyesight or whatever, you know, (laughs) all of his ex-girlfriends, all of his girlfriends currently. That's, uh, that's (laughs) quiet. Don't tell him. Um, so, so, but that's the whole thing. We want it to be about the relationship. I think a lot of people, when, when you listen to podcasts, and by, we're not bloody perfect. Of course we're not. But we listen to a lot of podcasts and, and we listen back to every episode of our own to, th- to think, how do we make that better? Like, what is our, how is our relationship with the listener? Because that's really all that matters. You can have five listeners, but if they adore you and, and you can compel them to take the action that you're asking them to take, then that's, that's a grand old thing. Whereas you can have a million people sort of listen, but if it's like in the background, they're playing it in the shop and no one's doing anything about it, who cares? So we've got to really focus on how do we deepen relationships with our listeners. And we do a lot of work on, we, we talk about the, the us versus you thing. And we, and we all will do this. We all every now and again will fall into a trap of talking about us. We do this and I do that and you're not real. And you have, to, you have to, as much as possible, look at not just what you say, but the way you're saying it to make, it's about including the listener. Oh, isn't it great when is a much better way of saying it than we like it when, because you want to be using inclusive language because we want to be bringing the listener into this relationship. So we really focus a lot on that as well. I don't know how I got from that tangent, but that's, that's, that's what I'm going to say. And I'm, I'm gonna say it's it. a good tangent. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Talking, um, generally about podcasting and your podcast what has been we'll start off with the challenges what have been the biggest challenges for for you two with the email marketing show the biggest challenge i think for every podcast is is getting discovered in the first place i think you know reaching new listeners in the first place is is quite difficult uh, obviously we have appeared on lots of podcasts as a guest we love doing this and and obviously that does help to bring people over to our own show but I think generally getting discovered for the very first time, we've, we tried lots of stuff that didn't work over a period of time. So what didn't work? So, I mean, the first time we ever tried to run paid advertising to the podcast, it is something we're doing now. But the first time we ever tried to run paid ads to a podcast, we ran Facebook ads, which we're reasonably good at, across to the sort of blog post that has the, a particular podcast episode embedded on it. 
and ran what they call a carousel Facebook ad where somebody can see lots of things and swipe between them. It works well if you sell jewelry or something. You might have a, a ring on one and a necklace on the next and something else on the next one. And it was costing us a couple of dollars to get every person to click to that page. And then, of course, we don't know whether they're actually listening or just clicking to the page. So we spent quite a bit of money very quickly before we said, oh, we, we can't do that and turned that off. So paid advertising was a particular challenge uh, that we tried along the way. I think another thing that we discovered, and I think a lot of podcasters talk about this, is they figure if I get a really big name on my podcast, and whatever the hell you mean by big name, because actually in, a big name in your market is is a nobody in the next market, but a big name, you think they're going to, one, be a big draw, and two, they're going to share it. Truthfully, you have to do a lot of work. and you, It can be done, but it's not a case of have them on your podcast, ask them some lovely questions, do a nice interview, and they will share it. Probably not, because if you're asking them what their story is, well, they've told their story on 400 other podcasts, so why would they share yours? Because they're just going to be regurgitating that in front of their audience. So there has to be a, an exceptional reason that they would share your episode. And So if you're going to build something in like that, obviously it can be part of your strategy, ask them questions they've never been asked before. Um, ask them, and we don't do this because it's not part of our model, but you could ask them, in, in, the, in, in the onboarding form, if you have a, we use a form when people come onto our podcast and we can collect all of their information in one place. So we ask them where all of their handles, their Twitter handles, all that sort of stuff. And, and one of the things you could ask in that form if you use one is, what is something you would like to talk about, but you've never been asked about before? And if, that, and if you ask them that question and they get to talk about it, they're much more likely to share that thing because they got to tell that story and they can tie it into their content and serve their audience. Most of the time, most of us are creating content to serve our audience and not the guests. So having guests does not bring an audience. In fact, people stay, even if they did come along from a guest, it doesn't necessarily mean you've got them in your audience. They just, if they, if they go in and finding everything that Rob's been interviewed on, well, they're probably not going to tune into you and they're, they're not loyal to you. They're just loyal to following Rob around the same way they do follow him around the country on his tour. He's got people who travel around the country and follow his show. It happens, which is mad, really, when you've seen the quality of the act. Um, the, the, I can say that because I bloody write it. So he's about to say, I can see what it is. Um, so, but, um, I, but having guests does not win you the audience. They, they stay for you. They really stay for you. And if you've got the same format of, hey, how are you? And then they say, oh, yeah, we're really good. And then tell us your backstory. And then they do. And then you finish with a quick fire thing at the end. That's every podcast. That's, that's scribbling every out the quick fire round. <laughs> <laughs> well, the well, other, I mean, the other mistake we definitely made along those lines is the first podcast not the first podcast we did. The first podcast we did was a test to experiment with podcasting. The The first proper podcast we had a real go of was obviously three marketers walk into a podcast and uh, it was a hundred episodes and it was a hundred. Uh, there was one of them was me and Kennedy, which was like our 50th episode anniversary, but the rest of them were all guests, I think. And that definitely didn't give us very much room to show what Robin Kennedy knew. It was 100%. Here's another great guest and here's another great guest. And so now that's one of the reasons why with the email marketing show, we realized, well, let's not just sit to be the idiot every week. Let's, let's be somebody who's got something to share as well. So you do a format, don't you? You have like alternate weeks. It's you, then you have a guest. Was that part of the strategy then for why you do it the way? As Rob said, the problem with the interview show is you have to, it's called dumbing up in interviewer language, I think, which is where you have to ask all the questions, which 
you probably know the answers to. You know, why did you do you send them an email? Why an email? What's an email? A letter? <laughs> it's like a letter. Wow. You know, but you, and you don't get to position yourself as an expert. Whereas after, but we knew there is value in having guests. There's a couple of pieces of value. One is we don't know everything about email marketing. We have our approach. And Rob and I sometimes disagree on parts of that approach, which is what makes that dynamic interesting. There are not many shows for us. One of our advantages is there's two of us and not many shows have two interviewers. That's quite unusual. So we get one week where Rob and I are coming up with the idea for the content and discussing the content and giving our two points of view and coming up with that stuff. And the next week we get somebody else's point of view and we don't have to create the content, which is very nice as well. So I think... That's what really works about it. It also means if somebody doesn't really like that guest, then there's, it's been surrounded by stuff they do like because they've bonded with us. They get more of the consistent thing in the show. Whereas if the consistent thing in all of your shows is you, because you're the interviewer and all you're ever doing is interviewing, they don't get much of you. So if they don't like that guest, they could fall out with your show quite quickly. So it's about making sure you give them what they want. And unfortunately, if it's your, if it's your podcast, it is... It, Ego aside, it's you they want more of. And we'll talk about some of the more positives then. So the challenges, what are the, what are the things that you've been surprised that that's worked or what have you been the most happy with? We've certainly made some really great connections out of having a podcast. You know, there's, there's people we've been trying to get involved with for ages. Like, you know, we're trying to get promotional partnerships with people or we're trying to get things like that. There are definitely those partnership opportunities have arisen where if we'd just done cold email outreach, which is a great tool, you know, if we just sent them, here's an email, would you like to be involved in this thing? No, okay, great, wait two days. Would you like to be involved in this thing? No, they still haven't replied. Would you like to be involved in this thing? Oh, no, never mind. That was time wasted and probably, probably an opportunity we won't easily get back. Rather than just using a tool like that, but actually to be able to have somebody come on our podcast, they instantly get a better feel of who we are and what we're about. And if they like us or not, either of those things is fine. But if they like us, they're going to be much more attached. So we've done podcast episodes that within two or three weeks of doing the podcast episode have turned into huge business deals for us between us and the people we've interviewed because they've gone on to promote us to their audience and they've, you know, they've really given us our products and things a hard push. So definitely doing that and being able to speak on stage more readily than we would if we just sort of pitched ourselves for sure. And you know, we find that opportunities have we're not big believers that the universe brings you all the things you wish for, uh, but there's definitely been opportunities arisen where people have come to us and said, would you like to do this? Would you like to speak at this event? Would you like to do this? We've never pitched ourselves at any of it. It's just, it's just sort of naturally come about, which is nice. It's nice. That's the dream almost, isn't it? It's yeah. the definition of inbound, yeah. isn't it? Really? It's def- you know, you put some stuff out and people start making a, people notice, but you have to, if you're going to go for the inbound approach where people come to you rather than you chase, by the way, I don't think you can do one or the other. You do have to do both. I really believe that, but you have to create something that we call remarkable. And that, and all remarkable means is it has to be something that is so different, not necessarily good, but it has to be so different that people remark on it. So people will say, huh, I heard, have you heard their theme tune? Or, if you, oh, you're talking about email marketing, you need to listen to the email marketing show or all oh, business podcasts are boring. Have you heard this one? That's not boring. So have a number of hooks so people will remark on that thing. And then that brings inbound. If you're just another show that follows the format of, well, all the, which is how we started off with, well, our old show was 
we followed the traditional format of, well, loads of them are doing it. It must work. It probably does work. Does it really break through? Yeah, I think we, uh, and we try and do that. We try and create that remarkable thing in everything we do. We, it was really nice. We were on a podcast recently. Somebody sent, a, the, the podcast host sent us a little voice clip that had been sent in from a listener who literally just said, I loved, I loved the two email marketing guys you had on. You should have more episodes like that was the word. You, have, you should have more episodes like that. And that just goes to hopefully prove that when you do something that's different and again, breaks a little bit, people sort of do, do notice it. And again, the word remarkable, like the word genius gets thrown around too much. And actually, truly, something truly remarkable actually doesn't mean it's good. Something truly remarkable just means it gets, it gets talked about. And so that's what you want to create, something that creates talk. The thing is, you can sit and make your podcast, but if it's, you're just shouting out into nothing, you're basically like the invisible man. You're sort of putting it out there, and it's, it's not going anywhere. No one can see it. And, and there's, you're really wasting your time. Whereas the biggest challenge is, though, is you have to take a risk. If you look at the risks we've taken, we've taken something that's fundamentally not sexy at all, email marketing. It's the least sexy of all the marketings. We're not talking about lovely pictures of Rob in a bikini on Instagram. We're not talking about that. We're talking about email marketing. Then we add in humor. Hang on, that's a bit weird. Plus this strange jingle, plus a weird section. Rather than calling it listeners' questions, we call it what would Julie Andrews do? You know, so we end up with all this weirdness and we are giving you as many moments to go, this is mad in the best way because you have all these in-jokes with your friends and we're creating in-jokes with our new friends. That's it. And what are your goals then for 2020? If we can have any more goals this year, I don't know. I, I set challenges well, at the beginning I'm, of the year for myself and I think it's my fault that all this has happened, to be honest, because this was going to be my year. <laughs> I think oh, any minute now, Hollywood are going to ring and they'll want to do Response Week, the yeah. movie. And then when that happens, we'll Who's going to play um, you in the movie? That's a great question. I think it's going to be Holly Willoughby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, know, I don't know who would play me. Not a clue. Um, that young lad who seems to play everybody. Oh, um, him! He played Elton, jo- Elton John and he's far too good looking though, but he played Elton John and he played... Oh, yeah, the guy in The uh, Kingsman and all else. that. Well, Welsh geezer from yeah. The Kingsman, yeah. Anyway. Very good, isn't he? Yeah. I know, and I think for me, it would be the guy who plays Tony Blair and Chris Michael Tarrant. Sheen. Oh, I thought, yes, I thought you could say the fellow who plays Tintin. <laughs> <laughs> who was that? It was a cartoon, so a cartoon. Well, no, it was a movie, man. It was, was a real life movie. Yeah, yeah, that was 3D. I don't know who it was. Oh, what's the actual human? Was it Simon Pegg? Thing? I, I can have Simon Pegg. I'd be all right. <laughs> uh, in terms of our goals, uh, we are... We are, I don't know, we, we're not, we're funny with goals, aren't we? We've got a funny, funny We've got a funny problem of... with them. One of the things we do is we have goals which are about growth percentage rather than what you get to, if that makes sense. Because I've always found goals really demotivating. And the reason they're really demotivating, and I have a real problem with goals. Um, so here we go. <laughs> um, strap yourself Making in. Making notes. Um, <laughs> the problem with goals is... When you don't achieve, and they say, you know, um, aim for the moon if you land in the stars. Well, the problem <laughs> is, if you, were, if you were trying to drive to Torquay and you ended up in Blackpool, you'd be furious, right? So why set a goal you don't want to achieve? That's ridiculous. Secondly, 
Having goals means you are constantly in a state of dissatisfaction because you're trying to get to somewhere else. And it actually stops you from focusing on the gratitude of where you are right now, which makes you deeply, I mean, me, deeply, deeply unhappy as a young person. I remember going on lots of business courses between the ages of 18 and 22 and just feeling like I had to apologize. I remember I went on this thing where there was this mantra where you had to say, I'm sorry and thank you all the time. And I was like, wow, talk about making me feel like, a, like I owe the world something. It was terrible. So I think goals are tricky. Now, there are ways of looking at your KPIs and are we on track to course correct so we can achieve growth? Because our big thing is that all, we're not trying, and I, I'm going to use a swear word now, so you might have to beep this out. But um, our goal is not, it's a mild swear word, uh, our goal is not to become brilliant and to become the best or even to become better. Our only goal is to be less than we were yesterday. That's all it is. It's about incremental improvement. It's about yesterday we were doing our best, but what can we do from yesterday and what can we do a little bit better? And if we do that, then or if we focus on us, you, yourself, being a little bit less rubbish than you were yesterday, it means you get to focus on comparing yourself to yourself. You're only playing this game against you. It's not about how many downloads Joe Rogan's got. It's not about how many downloads Charlotte's got uh, over here on Turn Up The Volume. It's, it's, it's none of those things. It's about are you moving forward? So our goal is 50% growth of downloads listenership month on month. That's all that matters for us on that. And some months we hit it. Most months we were hitting it. And then people stopped traveling in their cars and listening to our podcast while they were at the gym and all the sort of lovely things. So we got, we got, we tanked a bit, but now we're back on the growth thing again. So we're back at 48% um, on week on week. So, so that's, that's pretty good. So that's one of, definitely one of our goals. So I'm going to start picking your brains now for people who like me. I am terrible at email marketing. I hold my hand up. I listen to your podcast. I go, that's a great idea. And then nothing happens. And I'm terrible at it. And um, your latest one is about the batch recording, like getting it done in three months. I was like, oh, could I do that? And then I go, oh, yeah, I will. And then it never happens. Why should I start getting my backside into gear? As my dad would say, why should I go head down, bum up, and get my email marketing sorted for my podcast? What's really interesting, just by the way, something you said there is most people would say that they are terrible at email marketing. They're actually not terrible at email marketing. Most people are just terrible at doing email marketing. And that's a different thing. Like I'm, I, I can run from this end of the street to the other, but I'm terrible at doing it. Like getting my shorts on and out the door, is not going to happen. But actually once, I, once I'm there, it's fine. So I think most people actually tell themselves they're terrible at email marketing. They're actually just terrible at getting their fingers on the keyboard is actually where the disconnect happens. And so I think that actually just doing email marketing and doing a reasonable job of it is not as difficult as people think because you send Don't emails tell every them that. day. We've got your... products to solve. <laughs> the thing is you send emails every day of your life probably. Yeah, I do. And you send and you send those emails and they typically get you the result that they want. So you bought a thing on Amazon, it didn't arrive, you email Amazon and presumably they reply and tell you where it is. Great. And you do something else and you want to book a hair appointment. So you send an email in or whatever, and if that's how you book it. And they, and they get back to you and they sort it out. And so most people send emails that get them the, the result that they want every day of their lives. And sending and doing email marketing as a, at a basic level is no more difficult than that. 
it's it's sending emails that make sense to you. Therefore, they'll probably make sense to your ideal customer. And in them, you reference the fact that those people can buy something from you or in this instance, can go and listen to the podcast. So the first thing I think is probably to get over the fact that it's called email marketing and just realize that actually it's just sending emails. That will definitely help. It's just sending emails about a thing that you are interested in. And so is the person receiving the emails. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on your list in the first place. But actually, apart from anything, it is the most direct, I think of everything we've ever done in business, it's the most direct return on investment, both time and money investment that there has ever been in marketing. The ability to just type up. And I know when you record a video and post it on social media, or you record a podcast episode and you put it on the podcast networks, it does. you, you are creating a piece of content you instantly put out there and it gets accepted and listened to or watched or whatever. But there's something just more direct about sending an email directly into somebody's inbox that they receive on their phone because people have most check, mostly check their emails on their phone and can then take action on and buy your stuff or get involved. It's definitely the trying to move people from podcast to buying something or from a Facebook video to buying something is really difficult. Moving somebody from email to buying something, doddle. So I think that says a lot about the power of where email fits into the equation. So definitely something to have as part of this ecosystem as such. I don't know why I chose the word ecosystem there. It's just flung into my head. It's a, now there is an interesting thing. When we first ever started podcasting, we thought, right, we'll start a podcast. We'll talk about marketing and stuff that will get people excited. They'll listen to the podcast cause they'll find it. And then they'll opt into our list or whatever, and then we'll email them. And then that'll be great. And we very much saw it as podcast at the top that attracts an audience, then we move them into our email list. And then once they're in our email list, we'll move them into our paid programs and on. But actually over time, it very quickly became apparent that actually we need to use email to send them back to the podcast. There's, there's no point in, in having them come in through the podcast, get onto our list and then stop listening to the podcast again, because the more touch points you have with your audience every week, the better. So if one of them is a podcast episode and one of them is a daily email and one of them is, is a post on social media, that's a much better place. So I think for us being able to take our existing listeners and just remind them every week that a new podcast episode, there's a new podcast episode, they, they can't get away from that. So I think for us that, that works brilliantly as well. Is there any bits that don't work then when it comes to doing email marketing and combining it and sort of in your podcast sort of cycle? One of the things you have to do is remember that when someone's listening to a podcast right now, what are you doing? Are you sitting at your desk with a browser ready to go for when we give out the URL where you should come and opt into our super duper thing? later no you're absolutely not and if you are we want to know who you are because you would be right up our street um but uh, but you're not doing that you're not doing that because people are doing other things they're jogging they're running they're at the gym they're in the car they're doing whatever they're going about their business and so you have to remember that moving people from podcast to email list is a repetition thing so that at some point when they sit down at their desk or on their phone and they have their phone in their hand because remember, people are not listening to your podcast with their phone in their hand, their, their phone's in their pocket or attached to their sleeve or in the car. So at some point, they will sit down when it's suitable and go, do you know what it is? They keep talking about this free resource they're going to give me or this thing I should check out. I'm going to do that now. And that may be the first time they hear you. It might be the 20th time that they hear. It's advertising. At the end of the day, it's if your call to action, if your monetization method for your podcast is you're selling your own thing, you're basically the sponsor 
of your own ad, of your own podcast. And how many times does a sponsor advertise on a paid podcast? Or does, do they pay to advertise on a podcast? And the answer is lots because it takes a lot of repetitions before we hear any advert. You're from the, the radio world, Charles. So, you know, a num- the number of exposures is really important. So you have to remember that. The other bit is to remember it's two directional. So you do want to move people from your podcast onto your email list because that means you can actually communicate directly with those people and you have that data. Right now, you don't know the individual names, email addresses, or any identifiable data about any of the listeners. That's not possible in the world of podcasting right now. When it comes to your actual email list, okay, they're on your email list, but like Rob said, you also want to pass them back over to your podcast. Why? We have a philosophy we teach called Becoming 3D. And that is, if I email you four times a day, it's not going to take very long before you become quite upset and probably click that unsubscribe button. But if I email you with something, and you, you know I'm going to email you every day with a cool tip about email marketing, which is one of the things we do, and you also see something in our Facebook group, so you go to, the, you go to Facebook and you find the Email Marketing Show community, you join the community, and you see one or two posts in there a day that are helpful or engaging or at least fun, because we do 50% just purely fun stuff in there, and we have a right laugh, you see those two posts a day, okay, that's now three communications a day you've seen from me. Then you follow us on Twitter, and we tweet between eight and 10 times a day. So now you've seen us in lots of different ways, but you don't feel like you've had too much of us. Then each week you listen to our podcast. A few things have happened. One, you've heard from us a lot, but it doesn't feel like we're bombarding you. But secondly, your best friends, your very best friends are people you've been to that bar with and that restaurant with, and maybe that holiday. They've been to your house, you've been to their house. You've seen them under lots of different contexts. You've heard their voices, you've received their texts, you've, you've heard them and seen them, you might have seen them on video call, you might have seen them in real life. You've seen them in lots of different contexts and you've seen them in, display themselves in different media. That's what we need to be doing with all of our prospective clients, the people we're trying to attract in our listeners, is they need to hear from us in multimedia. And that means they will have a much deeper relationship with us. And because you're doing that on a daily basis, let's say, or at least a, at least a weekly basis, that relationship will propel and deepen faster. So if you can email every day, podcast every day, tweet a few times a day and put something in your Facebook group a couple of times a day, you are going to have a faster relationship than anything else you could possibly do. And then that's just a few social media platforms. Imagine you add in LinkedIn and you add in Instagram to that and, and Facebook pages, like, and then a Pinterest. Like, there's so much you could be doing to deepen relationships. It's about moving people around on purpose because you want to deepen the relationship. I think if you're thinking shall I get started with email marketing? How do I get started with doing email marketing? The real thing is, ask people what they want to learn from you. What is it they, what is their biggest challenge? And send them an email just twice a week, just to begin with, just twice a week, which step-by-step tells them something that's going to help them. Just do that every single week and just focus on helping people. Because the minute you move away from, hey, I'm doing marketing, which means I'm trying to hoodwink somebody. You shouldn't ever be trying to hoodwink people. All marketing is, is understanding people who, needs a, who has a need for something and how do you solve that need? How do you solve that problem? So get some people, get 10 people 
onto your mailing list and start emailing them twice a week from whichever service you like. Use ConvertKit, use ActiveCampaign, use whatever the heck you like. We, we like, um, we use ConvertKit, we use ActiveCampaign, we use Infusionsoft, we use quite a few of these services. And just email people and help them out. And you'll be surprised at, you'll get replies, you'll get people saying, how can you help me do that thing? Just build relationships the way you do through your podcast. Build relationships the way you do through your social media, but do it intimately in their email inbox. And don't worry about the fancy stuff. To begin with, just focus on emailing them. Just focus on sending that email, making that new habit. And then once you're really comfortable and going, oh, this is good, this is cool, I don't, I'm not over, overwhelmed by the technology, the next step is definitely going to be to think, okay, how can I segment them? Because I've got a, a bunch of people who I want to understand a bit more. And then just do it step by step. You don't have to go flashbang wallop with the whole thing. That's it. I think that's quite key. I think when I first started, I thought I had to have every, had to have logos everywhere and pictures and gifts, and it had to look all singing, all dancing. And I think that is what stopped me from doing it. I tried it, and it took me about you know four what? hours. We, yeah, and we uh, in our Facebook group, funnily enough, we just put a post in the other day about uh, who do you do like really fancy emails or do you do very plain ones and one um, somebody in the group simon he he replied saying he tested and he's not an email marketing person by the way he actually hates marketing and hates hates sales he's a great guy uh, i've known him for years and he said when he took out all of the fancy stuff and literally typed an email as if he was sending it to a personal friend has no pictures in no gifts no logo nothing just hiya cha -da 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 -da. cheers simon that's it his open rate and his sales went up. So if that fancy stuff is, is stopping you from doing the emails, it's killing your sales in two ways. One, it's stopping you doing the stuff. And two, it actually decreases sales anyway. So don't do it and save yourself a load of time and actually make more, make more sales and have a better business. I, I nearly broke the laptop by throwing it out the window at one point, <laughs> trying to get yeah. it all sorted. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me, you two. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I could listen to your accents all day. Oh, actually, accents. Because I'm jealous of anyone who's got a really good regional accent. Of my, you know, Everyone goes, oh, Charlotte, you've got a lovely home county's voice. I'm like, yeah, but it sounds like everybody else who talks. I am jealous of people who've got lovely accents. Have there been any kickbacks from your accent? Have people said, oh, I just can't understand what you're saying? Or do you have people like me go, I love your accent? Uh, we, have, we have a friend called John who lives uh, just slightly well up the road from me, down the road from Kennedy in Sunderland. And so when he says the word eBay, it has like nine syllables in it. And uh, so he's had people pick up on that. Uh, but eBay, uh, but we, um, we, we, I can't say we have. I mean, we're both, we're both like drama trained and so, and vocal trained. So I suppose that's, that probably has drummed somewhat of the Northern accent out of us a little it bit. It hasn't. Certainly no kick, <laughs> certainly no kick. <laughs> Compared to the people who live where we live, uh, then you would, you would hear it. <laughs> oh, it takes, I studied, I went to Northumbria University from, can you imagine what this, a Reading girl, you know, proper Berkshire, didn't really know where Newcastle was. I thought it was like, you know where Manchester is, but just the other side of the country. That's about it. Yeah. Lots of people think that. Lots of people think we're somewhere near Manchester. I, mean, I remember we, because for the open day, I went on the train because there's a couple of hours on the train. Great. Driving up that first day before we got there. It's like, oh, it leads. We're only about half an hour away now, aren't we? Four years later. We <laughs> it's like, Whoa. Yeah, it's a long old, a long old road, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, we, I wouldn't say we've had any kickback. That's for sure. Oh, that's good. 
but it's just yeah I, a lot of our american listeners think that we all sound the same anyway <laughs> what we hear you know it's like they all oh, think we're in london Oh, yeah, the, yeah, I'm co- I'm coming to I'm coming to London in September. Should we meet up? It's amazing. Like, well, I mean, you can't do, no. but it's going to cost us three hundred quid on the train to go for a coffee. <laughs> I love it. All right, so thank you for for talking to me. Uh, really enjoyed it. Where can people find you on social media, on websites, all that stuff? Spill out your your hangouts. Yeah. So if you first of all, we have a little confession to make. <gasps> Uh, which is we were playing a little game while we were doing this interview. And that is, and we didn't tell you about this, Charlotte. So here we go. Uh, basically, we thought it would be fun to seed in a bunch of metaphors throughout this with a particular theme. So, for example, if the theme had been farmyard animals, Rob would have which said things like, uh, oh, I was uh, I was really hungry, so I was really pigging out. Or I might have said, you know, hold your horses or something like that. So it, that kind of thing. It wasn't that. So we've been using different turns of phrase to, all about one theme throughout this episode. And we want you to guess what it is. So you can connect with us on social. You can do that at Rob and Kennedy. And that's mainly on Twitter. You'll also find us in our Facebook group, which you can find at emailmarketingheroes.com slash group. That'll take you straight to Facebook uh, to do that. And of course, you can check out the email marketing show if you want to hear us every week blather on about email marketing, have a bit of crack about that stuff. And that's just theemailmarketingshow.com or on your favorite podcast player. So here's the thing. I have listened back, obviously, because I edit the podcast and I was there at the time. I still don't know what they have slipped in. Um, so if you know, uh, please let me know because that would be really good because <laughs> I have no idea. I, it's gone over my head. <laughs> you can um, find out more about Robin Kennedy. I will link to their podcast in the show notes or, of course, just look for it in uh, in wherever you get your podcasts from normally. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I still can't. I'm still trying to figure it out please let me know. All the usual ways you can get in touch with me, as always, you can get in touch with me on social media. On Instagram and Facebook, you will find me as Charlotte Foster Podcasts. On Twitter, I am at CF Podcasts, but I am also there as at Charlotte Foster. But, you know, the warning is that at Charlotte Foster comes with lots of photos of the cat and some photos of me looking quite sweaty when I go out for a run and ranting about rugby so that that's your that's your warning on that one and you can also find me on linkedin charlotte foster podcast queen and if you do want to sign up to my emails because i have started doing daily emails daily ish i will put a link to do that in the show notes as well 